And now, welcome to The Approach with Jeremy Seaholm, Danny Finn. Welcome to The Approach. I am your host, Jeremy Seaholm. And I'm Danny Finn. What's going on, man? Not much. How come we didn't uh, number the episode today? We not not going to lie. I forgot. <laughs> I, I give credit to the other one that's, that knows exactly what number they're at. I have no no idea. We could, we could sit back here and count, but I think it'd be a waste of time for everybody listening and us right now. Is it 10? I, I, I think it's actually 10. Is it 10? I couldn't remember if it was 9 or 10. Well, we have Nick Norcross coming in. I think what self-proclaimed 60 years of Olin knowledge in a 29-year-old's body. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> so... Nick, Nick's been posting a lot of stuff in the lost history of candlepin bowling and has a lot of that. And he even said, you know, while COVID had so many negatives, one of the positives was it gave him some time to sit back and research some of the stuff that uh, that he always had an interest in but never really had the time to uh, go through and dig through and everything else. But, you know, we've seen a lot more of the videos going up and everything. And while we'd love to see more of the new stuff, it's great to see some of the old stuff kind of get reignited and the ability for us to enjoy some of the great milestones that maybe some of us, myself, weren't around to watch. Oh, of course. And if I was around, I probably wasn't watching it, unfortunately, or didn't understand the, the magnitude of what was happening. Right. And of course, like at the time, we're not thinking we're like, we may never see this stuff again. Yeah. And that that's the crazy thing. Like just uh, so I had and we'll talk about it later. I had my ACS team uh, match and a uh, coworker of mine was watching the match and her husband saw the match and she said huh, or he said to her i don't know people still bowled for money yeah so i guess he's trying to find his bowling balls uh somewhere in the garage i don't know if uh, maybe he'll join a league they're out in uh hanover so maybe they'll join timber or something like they, that they might be a little musty yeah so they they uh collect non-stick surface they collect a lot of odor over a period of time if your shoes are in that bag so yeah. we'll get nick in here uh we'll uh talk to him about some of the history of the game and how he's experienced the last 60 years of bowling Sounds great. Well, Nicholas, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I am here. <laughs> I'm, I'm here. Podcast, Danny's man. here. It's all good. <laughs> We're all fine. <laughs> We're all fine. You're fine. <laughs> I'm a little less pissy, I guess, than I was earlier this morning. I, I said to Jeremy, usually when people go on vacation, they come back, they're supposed to be less pissy, not more pissy, but... Uh, he didn't get that memo, but I think he did some deep, but uh, hot yoga and feels a little bit some better now. Deep meditation. I, I, I didn't do yoga. <laughs> Not all stretched out. My body doesn't bend that way. <laughs> so Nick, welcome to the show. Thank, Thank you for you. coming. I know uh, you have a decent commute, but you were coming here anyways, right? Last night of the league. <laughs> so. Well, thank you for joining the league. I know uh, your team probably has the longest commute of anybody, right? Not including Brian, who has to work here anyways. But so I'm going to ask that a little off topic from where we normally go. How did your team end up joining our league here? Because typically you guys bowl more north. We did, I want to say it was 2019. We bowled in a speed league at Academy and we won it. And then we switched to Exeter when it was, COVID was happening and it only lasted eight weeks. And then Cheech at like the beginning of the summer said, oh, Millis has a speed league. We should do it. And you just signed us up and I just went with it. And yeah. But could win this one, huh? No. See how Buzz saw it, everybody. I think it was more Taylor Buzz saw it, everybody. <laughs> so, Kid's been bowling out of his gourd. Yeah. 
So you've been uh, big into the lost history of candlepin bowling and everything else. You said a lot of that had to do with some downtime during COVID. Yeah. How did you get interested in the whole history of that aspect of it? Because you're a young guy. People don't remember that oftentimes. But uh, how did you first decide to start doing some deep digs into the history of candlepin? I want to say it was probably, you know, it was you know, middle school going into high school. And I really just kind of started to just try and find anything and just save it and just kept saving and saving as time went on. And Brian Basilinski through his father, Wally, who was another great bowler, had a ton of stuff and time went on and him and I would always throw things at each other, you know, you know, show him this and he'd show me that. And I had said, we should probably maybe do a page where we can just post all this stuff. And the next day he created it and that's how it all started. But when COVID hit, I had all the stuff kind of just saved away. And I said, all right, well, might as well just start rifling everything out now. Yeah. Because nothing to do. So that's mean been doing that and still finding stuff and discovering stuff and it's about to say and other people find their stuff and then they yeah. post it well it's even like this podcast right like we we had a couple of shows with you know a couple of hall of famers i think we've had three so far and then all of a sudden people reach out to us saying i got stories too and i think that's kind of an aspect of it as well as somebody might have something sitting in their basement collecting dust and yeah there's an appreciation for it and they see that and they dust it off and you know it's exciting to have somebody Who's interested in their junk, as George Carlin would say. (laughs) (laughs) But do you have a place for it? (laughs) No. That's all you need is a place for your stuff. So, now, how did you get involved? Now, were you a kids' league bowler? I was, yes. I didn't know anything about a league. I basically, for all my life, you know, early, just went out and bowled with, like, my dad, my grandpa, or my mother would take me. And I think she... We were bowling. I think I went to Burlington, the bowl away in Burlington. Mm-hmm. I was eight, and the guy behind the counter said, "There's a kids league starting in two weeks. He should probably sign up." So my mother signed me up, and that's how I kind of then you were hooked. started. <laughs> I was hooked. Yeah, it was very different. There was, how old were you at this time? It was eight, and there was I want to say sixteen candle pin lanes. There were more ten pin lanes than candle pin lanes at Burlington, yeah. and we were all kind of stuck with different age groups so it was like 7 to 10 15 15 and up and just all variations and we bowled there for a year and it was fun and then the next year unfortunately the building got sold to a storage unit and that same year the Wallachs got sold yeah so those two kids leagues Ended up going to Woburn and joining their league. So it was a massive, massive league from there on out. Well, Woburn's just kind of, I mean, it's kind of like the middle ground, isn't it? Yeah. Between like Waltham and and Burlington. That That was like 2003, right? Like 0203, yeah. Yeah. It was right around that. So now if you want to go to Wallex, you can get your prescription at CBS. Yeah, so it is now. Yeah. Well, if you need supplies, you can go to Staples right next door. (laughs) I found an old picture of me, eight years old, sitting on a lane way over the foul line at Wallex. We couldn't figure out what lane it was. I think Bobby Brown was the one who was able to nail that one yeah. down. Well, he so. was. I know he was. He was big at at uh, Wallex. Yeah. yeah, it makes. I mean, you think about the location, that makes sense. Yeah, I so. never got to bowl there, no. but I have a crate of pins from the annex. Yeah, <laughs> that were old Target pins, and they're just collecting dust. So, so. where do you keep all? Of, not that not to have anybody break in and steal all of your 
everything's in my storage unit. Yeah. I used to, when I was living in Woburn and then that fell through, you know, most of my stuff is just sitting in a storage unit. Yeah. So, Maybe so, someday I can try and display it all for everyone that, to see. That that annex was yeah. an experience. <laughs> so when you went to the kids league in Woburn, is that when you started bowling with Bobby Brown and working with him? That's where I first met Bob. Yeah. So he, everyone, there, was, there were a bunch of coaches at the time. Like each set of coaches, you know, just stayed with their own age group. Though there was seven to ten, eleven to fourteen, and then fifteen and up. And I think there were two coaches for each age group and he was more with the older kids but he would try and bounce around as much as he could so what was the year that he told you not to have a backswing that went over your head or you would hurt your arm oh man <laughs> and, uh, and then hurt your arm and then come in a week later in a sling i think i was 13 13 so just and, on that young and dumb i was stubborn <laughs> didn't want to listen to anybody yeah like some <laughs> some kids are you just don't want to listen you just do your own thing and bowling the youth adult league in the summer and the day happened and it popped and it popped back in and I was in a sling. They put me in a sling. They said I had to wear it for three weeks, but I had to bowl on something a week later. So I still bowled. What's well, like what uh, Tommy Olsen bowling on TV with a broken arm? Yeah. So, but they like, the same thing. Like, ah, young, he goes, you that's fine. I don't care. Well, you're a kid. You don't, you don't think about these things when you're a kid. Yeah, no, no. Kids are resilient. So did you, I know you still have a pretty long approach, but did you shorten that approach after that? As time went on, I feel like I've moved up quite a bit. Like, I remember at one point, I think I had both my heels off the back of the approach yeah. at Woburn. And Woburn has a pretty long approach. So, if I tried and did that now, I'd be, I'd probably fall on my face. Yeah. There's no way I could do it. Well, if it's like my, like, if you watch me from like way back, I started way at the back of the, yeah. of the following. And now I'm, Halfway. Yeah. I just feel like the older we all get, the closer we get to the to the football. Well, I mean, it also goes back to like you know the less movement, right. know, the less room for error yeah. too. Life, are you a four step, three step? So when I first bowled the league, and pretty much I think even before that, it was like six steps. I went from six steps to five steps to four steps, three back to four. So you stick with four now? Yeah. You have what? Three and a baby basically, right? Yeah. My first step is minuscule. Yeah. yeah. Kind of like what it, what I have. It's just yeah. a small little baby step and then it's three steps. And right. Yeah. I, I was a four step for a long time and then eventually ended up moving to a three step. It took me some time, but somebody gave me the advice to do it for a whole year. Yeah. I, my problem was it didn't work after the first week or two. Yeah. I went back to the four step and I had to get yelled at and told, you know, you have to do it for a whole you year. You got to stay out. You got to take a step backwards before you get better. Yep. So, so you mostly bowl out of Woburn now? Now, yeah. Not counting COVID, of course. Yeah. Well, you also work there too. Yeah. I've been working there for 15 years now. So how did you get involved in that? I used to just go there all the time as a kid and I've known the Ganji family my whole life and I've just been there ever since. Do they still have a strong kids league over there? They did before COVID. I mean, it kind of dwindled. There was a big difference from when I was in it to before COVID hit, but it was still good. But I'm not sure going into this new year what it's going to look like or they, even if it's going to happen. So are they trying to actively recruit kids for the kids league this year? Because I know we're trying for our league. We had 21 last year. Um, we're, we get flyers. We're trying to hand them out. Cause, yeah. You know, a lot of people say uh, 
that's how you get that next wave up. So yeah. we were in, I think I think they're trying. I'm I'm pretty sure a lot of people will come back. I know some people went up to Academy and Bolden that yeah. program and they're gonna stick with that. Right. So as long as I think as long as you're not losing the bowlers, period. Yeah. Right. They're just not they're just yeah. You know, they're saying like, "Oh, I'm done." Right, they're still bowling. That's that would be yeah. the harder part. The, the now the hard thing that we have is getting those kids. Cause we, now that we've been running the league now for eight years, is some of those kids are aging out, and we're having a hard time getting those kids to then become adult bowlers. Yeah, for various different reasons. Some are going to college. One joined the Air Force, yeah. and he's not willing to make the commute from North Carolina every week, which, which is, is understandable. I don't know. I still have goals and all that stuff. You know, so. You know, I think it's just non-committal. That's what it is. Yeah, you know, commit. You work so hard at something, and then go join the Air Force. You know, what a quitter. So, (laughs) to be to be fair, this is Dan's nephew who also used to work here. (laughs) So we're not complete. (laughs) We're not complete jerks. I hope he listens. (laughs) So, um, I think part of that too is even the the kids that I have that have gone off to college have said like when they come back, like if they decide to live local, they do want to join it afterwards. But that seems to be the trickiest part. It's not just getting the kids in the kids league it's to get them to move up to the adult leagues yeah um i've tried to even start bridging it for like the older kids to even bowl in like a sunday adult league so they can bridge that gap a little bit but once they move away i mean it's very hard to keep right yeah it's tough, to, it's tough for them to come back i've even tried to look for houses some of them have moved up to colleges in new hampshire like oh is there a house up there yeah and not too successful knowing the houses it's not near the manchester or exeter area unfortunately so it's just different times now yeah but we still you still need that core i mean we've talked you about do. it before we talked about it with amy of you know the the women's bowling has declined um and percentage wise may have declined just as bad as the men's but the men had a larger starting point yeah and you, we can't keep affording to lose people if we can keep them yeah so now how have you been, so you've been working with the kids league at woburn i haven't worked with the kids league in probably I don't know, nine years. Okay. Yeah. So working there, that's not something you don't do with the structures. No. I did for a little while. Yeah. But it, just from being there all the time and then bowling Kids. on a Friday night <laughs> and then getting up early to do that, it was just it's kind a, of a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. Jeremy doesn't help out with our kids' league either. It's fine. So I'm not going to lie. So when when I worked at Fairway, I, I would work during the kids' league, you know, because I worked Friday nights. I'd come in at 3.30 and I'm a terrible, terrible instructor. Yes. No, I remember uh, I was struggling as opposed to now when I'm still struggling. And I had asked, you know, I said, do you mind watching me bowl for a little bit and give me some tips? And I threw about three or four balls and I said, what do you think? And he said, try not to suck so much. So I laughed. I picked up a ball thinking like, all right, that was just breaking the tension. I said, so what I'm thinking is when I turn, he was gone. That was his advice. He went back to count the mic and close out the shift. I just, for some reason, like I can, I can visualize it. I can see him like, oh, like this is like all wrong. Like what are you doing? <laughs> but like to to convey that information in a constructive manner, I'm just yeah. terrible at it. I, I, it's just, I'm not good. I struggled with if a kid really just didn't have any clue, no concept of, of anything to like yeah. with bowling. It was tougher for me to really try and explain the basics and to really kind of get them on somewhat of a right track. Yeah. It was more easier to teach someone who who kind has, of has, those, has yeah. those fundamentals. So if yeah. you were doing the age groups, you'd be working with the older kids that had yeah. already had years. And of. I knew them better because they were yeah. only a few years behind me. 
too. So it kind of helped with that. But every now and then they'd kind of be like, you know, go help this kid. He's also a lefty. So it's easy. And it's just, it's and tough. Do you work with adults at all trying to get them better at bowling? Every know. now and then I, a lot of the seniors, yeah, they just like, you know, what am I doing? I just kind of straighten them out and, you know, square up their shoulders, their hips and just, you know, reach out for, you know, what their target is. And yeah. But even just bowling, so working at Woburn, you get, because you're a pro-level bowler, and you get a sight of something that, you know, Jeremy gets it as well, but a lot of bowlers, I think, don't get it if they don't work in a bowling alley, and that's that 90 average house bowler who may be looking to get better. Now, do you get that at Woburn where somebody's saying, how do I take that next step and maybe be, you know, 100, 105, 110? Do you see those people there or? Not really. I, it's it, every once in a great while, Yeah. you know, somebody that bowls, you know, on a league night and they just come up and they're like, you know, I want to get better. And, you know, I'm, I try and do this or I try and do that, but it's not working. And I kind of, I'll throw a couple tips out every now and then I can't really stand and watch because, you know, all 40 lanes are going. That's right. You have people on both sides. Right. Yeah. We have just the one row. I've never bowled on that other side. I only bowled on it's 21 through world. 40. Is it it's harder? It's a completely world. different world. Is it harder? It's very honest. Okay. Very yeah, honest. Like I said, I've only bowled, I bowled states there once. Uh, on the team event, I don't think we did well. I don't really remember. And then I bowled the Woburn well, League. Just yeah, if, if you don't remember, then you probably I didn't, didn't take anything. <laughs> like I didn't, I didn't take home any prizes, so I know I didn't bowl that well. But well, they don't send you home with anything anyway. You get yeah. it in the mail. That, well, so nothing was mailed to me from the NBA or Woburn. So wow. obviously, I didn't bowl too too well. <laughs> um, and I don't think there's uh, a prize for last place. So you've been working there now. During this whole COVID thing, a lot of bowlers say that it was tricky to get back into bowling. How was it for you? to take all that time off and then try to get back to some semblance. Cause I know you, you and I talked a little bit about you had a routine that you did pretty regularly. Yeah. Uh, do you want to get into that and that routine and sure. How it, was, it, you it was a lot of fooling around, but yeah. it, it kind of evened me out with everything. Um, it, you know, I, I was there Monday through Friday, you know, mornings into the afternoons and other days I do four to close. So I'd be there till, you know, about 11, 1130. But any little free moment of the night or afternoon, I would just turn on the lane and go around from the counter and I'd bowl a couple boxes in my sneakers and house balls. Or if it was really dead, I'd throw a couple strings. Mm -hmm. And I would always just throw it one way, you know, one string or for this box and I'd throw it that way. I'd slow it down, I'd speed it up, or I'd just throw it as hard as I could. And that never messed you up doing multiple norms? Because I know we bowled lefty once and it messed you up for weeks. Yeah, probably. <laughs> you beat me too. Yeah, and then you came back the following week and you said that you'd forgotten how to bowl for a hot second. <sighs> so, but, but uh, yeah, so that no, no problems with, with... No, and actually it was pretty scary. And you ever see Bob Brown, he'll tell you that at one point my average in my sneakers and house balls was probably 12 pins higher with my bowling shoes and my bowling balls. Wow. Really? It's a lot of practice in sneakers and house balls. Yeah. <laughs> and I went through sneakers very quickly because yeah. I wore down the bottoms a lot. So you weren't just standing up there. You were actually taking like a... I was, yeah. Taking a four-step approach? Yeah. And like I call it the bobby wet. You just plant your foot down and you just... I was about to say because you can't yeah. slide. No. Yeah. I'm just thinking that you were up there standing there throwing the ball. Oh, no. Because no. I did that the other day. I was 
grandmother and her son were here and you know the son was getting frustrated with bowling i went there and i gave him some tips but you know i wasn't attacking the line yeah i was just taking three steps and throwing the ball praying it didn't go in the gutter because i'm going this ball goes in this gutter this kid ain't never gonna listen to me for the rest of the day so <laughs> and of course i'm trying to recruit the kid for the kids league and you know if i throw the ball in the gutter i don't think that's gonna happen it's tough to say you know oh i'm a coach oh are you yeah keep the ball in the lane stupid <laughs> but uh yeah no, i just used to do little random things yeah. whenever I had the free time and it just seemed to even me out. I mean, some people say when they fool around and they just do something, they kind of, it sticks with them for a little bit and it messes them up. But for me, it was the opposite. Now, because you could throw so many different balls messing around, do you think that helped you play certain shots? Because I know sometimes if you throw a backup ball versus, you know, a normal cross alley ball, um, like can you throw multiple, like different style balls or do you stick with one style? If I'm doing that, I'll fool around and just try, you know, I'll stand. If I'm looking at like, I call it the worst shot in bowling. If I'm looking at like the the five, six, and 10 with like that weird wood, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Or vice versa, the mm-hmm. other way around. I would either move up or move back or just try and throw it as hard as I can at like one edge of the wood and yeah. try and see if I can get it to snap. Any Any kind of shot like that, I just see how I can approach and see if I can make it. And it also working in a ball now you know you just sit and you watch people exactly. bowl and you watch and see how they would approach oh i tell people what this. their mind is like how they think it's gonna go i think just watching bowling like people bowl has made me a better bowler yeah. just because you see things go that maybe you wouldn't think to play it that way yeah and and i know i've done that especially if you have like a pro series event or whatever mm-hmm. like i've seen that so and you know, working at an alley, you get to see all that stuff. So then we had COVID. Obviously, there was a shutdown. Um, so tougher to get on the lane. What was it like coming back? It was brutal. It's it's gotten a lot better, but it was brutal. And I, for a lot of people, it was brutal too. I was about to I'm say sure. yeah, this whole it, it entire was, it year. Wasn't, it it was, was just a lot of people. And then there were some people that just didn't miss a beat. They. Yeah. It's like nothing happened. I know we had Amy in here and she was talking about across the board, everybody went down. And I think yeah. Baker and Lister were like the two people she said that yeah. basically. Well, I mean, it was like Baker, Joey, and Winchell. And it might have been yeah, one or two others that it, it didn't phase Well, on. I mean, they brought the, you know, when we did the Pro Series playoffs, I mean, Surratt hadn't picked up a ball in eight months, goes out and wins a, you yeah. know, Pro Series title. Yeah. So the, <laughs> it's like, oh, for some people, it's like riding a bike. But. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, everybody, yeah, everybody was down. It yeah. was just kind of like, basically just a throwaway year, really. Yeah. I mean, you're so used to doing the same things year after year. Like you bowl in the same leagues at, mm-hmm. you know, these same places and you do the same tournaments. So I, but not doing that and also not bowling. Right. Just kind of mentally, I think messes you up and plus your muscles don't yeah. get that use really anymore i think it's the muscles i think is also like stretching certain areas yeah. that aren't getting so I mean, you're, you're, trying, you're trying to re doing so many lunges redo a day. everything <laughs> me more than you guys usually because i'm throwing more balls per frame than you guys but, <laughs> but i mean so, during that time off i mean you had a lot of time to watch bowling yes did it help you play any shots? No. <laughs> Maybe you want to bowl more. So, like, everybody, like, every time, like, I talk to either Frank or whoever, like, they say, like, oh, Nick just gave me, like, a trash bag of tapes. Where did you get all these tapes? I don't think it was trash bag. It was a nice bag. No. <laughs> this interview's um, over. Yeah. <laughs> um, I used to, my parents used to tape all the bowling shows for me when I was younger. And as time went on, you know, this tape got taped over and then another one got taped over and so on and so on. And I think one was saved 
with just one show on it. So as the years went on, I would try and tape as much as I could. But even me being stupid, I ended up taping over a lot of it because I always thought it was just going to stick around. Why wouldn't and it? I mean, yeah. it had great ratings. Yeah, yeah, no, I. It was funny, like no matter who I asked, like like I asked Helen Salou, it was like, what happened to the Channel Five show? What was going on? And she complained that it was like a new uh, marketing person that yeah joined for joined Channel Five. I, I, Somebody from out of state, I believe. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and once they see this, they just kind of like, no, this isn't right. This well, isn't they were it. they didn't like that it was all the old people yeah, in the background the demographic. But, I mean, but also didn't. I mean, what they filmed it during the day, during the week. It's like a Monday or Tuesday. Yeah, it's the first first Monday of every month. Yeah, Yeah, so all you're going to get is people who are probably retired. Yeah, right. I mean, there's like kids are in school. Yeah, like I, my my parents would never get me out of school to To watch. watch. Yeah, you know. But and throughout all the all the years, like you know, like Craig, you know, being friends with him, he let me borrow his stuff. Jeff let me borrow his stuff and stuff that his dad had. And it just kept evolving and evolving and evolving. And yeah, I have a crate, like a massive crate, just all tapes and they've all been converted. Yeah. And then Brendan got stuff from some guy that was, I don't even know how many tapes, but it's like from 1988 to 92 with every show you can think of that was on at that time. Yeah, I think the, I mean, the big shame is how much stuff that was an ABC just got or Channel Five just got rid of. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, they just t- they take over a, everything. Yeah, you yeah. think it'd be in a vault somewhere or something, but no, it's just gone. Yeah, I mean, I'm wondering if Channel Fifty did the same thing. They did eventually, yeah. Because Mike Moore and I asked him, and he said before they got bought out, they actually kept all the stuff. But once they got bought out, I guess they just yeah scrapped. That them. was one thing we we were actually supposed to talk to him this past Sunday but with the storm and everything you know we didn't know what was going to happen so we it's going to be really confusing by the time this airs yeah. it is <laughs> but that's fine so anyway I mean we're going to postpone that one but I wanted to I was curious to see what they did with their tapes yeah so, I mean, and I just anybody out there and I'm still little by little trying to get as, trying much. To get as much as I can because I, I also think it's funny in a way because the ICBA and MBA and all the other associations they've been around for a long time yeah a lot of the stuff is not saved or it's been there and nothing's just been posted that just seems like a really big oversight and I I agree with you on that one like the PBA and any 10 pin organization yeah. has saved everything possible yep. even footage from like the 50s and 60s yeah. and all that stuff tournaments and scores and records and yeah we lost a lot of that yeah and it's such a shame for a game that really isn't as big as you know you think about a lot of sports are getting bigger yeah we're kind of on the decline so you know maybe we get a resurgence again yeah i think we're all hoping for that um i think we're all trying for that but for a sport that kind of had its glory days in the past we lost a lot of that in the past you know it was kind of cool i don't know it was a few years after the, the Comcast show had started. The old ICBA website used to have all the Comcast yep. results on it. From when it started. Yeah. 
Well, I think too, you know, and I've said this before, and I don't want to make this show just railing against ICBA or NBA or anything like that, but it's like you look at all the tournaments that are out there right now. The, the Cheech is going on; they're they're hitting their elite eight now. You have the Nico's about to start up. Mm-hmm. Alfie Johnson, the New England Candlepins, out on the Bear, um, King of the like all of these tournaments that are coming out. You don't see any support or rec- or recognition from the ICBA. No. There's a lot of stuff also behind the scenes that. You know, really, is not much control. Yeah, I just that could be a whole other podcast. Yeah. I think, but <laughs> but th- I think that there needs to be, and I think I've said this before, and I know Dave Chester Cove had something. So I forget the initials. U.S. Some, like United States, USCBA. Yeah. There needs to yeah. be something like that. That's bowler run, where we're all kind of supporting yeah. each other. Um, I've had a couple talks. You know, Brendan and I had a talk about some type of. Um, Bowler ID, where it basically yeah. tracks your average. We need something, but the problem is, it's just us yeah. at this point. It's just the bowlers. I think the ICBA is kind of, and they said as much during the meeting, has pushed more towards proprietor based. Yeah, yeah. And don't get me wrong, we need those two, or else we have nowhere to bowl. But I think we do have that need. We need people like you, Nick, to show us, you know, the history of the game and get us excited for what we could be doing in the future as yeah. well. So I think, I mean, the future of Candleman Bowling is just as important as the lost history in a lot of ways. Right. But but like you said, like, like the competitive aspect and all those things, I mean, that, that's really up to us at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I mean, I think for the most part, we're all doing a great job. Like, and what's, it's just great to see, like, Exeter is done with the Pro League um, on Absolutely, Sunday, the Friday yeah. night. Mm-hmm. And then the Friday night Pro League drops uh, because of COVID, and Lita Lanes picks up a league yep. with some of the best bowlers. It's really good to see. You know, unfortunately, maybe it gets picked up somewhere else, but King of the Palace falls off. Alfie Johnson's show is about to come up. It just seems like a lot of ways when something kind of falls, something else yeah. is there to pick it up, which is really right. exciting to see. And I mean, there's more tournaments now than when I've only been involved in the game for seven, eight years. There's more now than I ever remember. Yeah. Yeah. Because now I mean, in the past couple of years, that's yeah, what I'm there's, always, so for me, there's, there's always something on the weekends now to, to go out and bowl. And, and I don't remember that being the case. There, there were times like, say, like like 2004 to like 2011 or something like that. There was almost nothing, really. Yeah. From what I remember. I mean, there could have been stuff that I didn't know about. But also at the same time, like social media wasn't really a thing. Yeah. Like, so you could really just... Well, I've said it Keep before. Caleb with chat is the best thing for the game. I think. I think in a lot of. I don't think the game is is anywhere near as big as it is competitively without Candlepin yeah. Chat or some some type of group. I know there was a boy form in the Kaleri. There was the boy in the Kaleri. Yeah. I missed the Kaleri form. Okay, so I, I used, to read, all, I used to read all that stuff in school. I used to sneak away <laughs> to some computer and read all like the Nuge's like, uh, predictions. Oh, the predict, the predictions were great. The power rankings <laughs> were great. Oh, my God. I, People I, used to get so mad. Well, you have to, right? Because it's, it's so tough to do a power ranking. And I know the other show wants to do a power ranking. And I love the idea of it, but I I mean, that's so tough. If, if you aren't just basing off the pro series, which you sh- I don't think you should right. necessarily because there's the Canadians aren't going to bowl in the pro series. And Maine has their own tournaments. Like, how do you compare different houses, different bowlers? Yeah. If, if there's not crossover people bowling against each other, that's going to be so difficult. No matter what, somebody's going to be mad. Yeah. So, so who, who do you remember who started the career form? Was it Mac? I want to say it was Macintosh. Yeah. So the basic idea of this forum it was like a void forum kind of like format or I don't know if it was the same 
though maybe it wasn't the same format. But anyway, it was a place to go where to take nothing. You take nothing seriously. Okay. And so, so Nuge's predictions were just brutal. <laughs> they, they were just brutal. Like he would go down like the entries for for like a pro series singles event and just bowler description, bowler description. I mean, it would get down to like where it would get to like one person and be like. He's, I, I don't even know why this guy is here. He's just he's just a chucker. Like you know you know just just you, know, you might as well just put your money on a scratch ticket. You have a better chance of winning. Now, you know, do you still yeah. talk to Nuge? Every so often. How can we get him back into the game? He's moving back to Florida. So no, no. Okay. You That's because I, I sent him that That's meme of, of his face. He's like, Surratt makes those. <laughs> <laughs> I miss him. Yeah, I know he bowled the ACST the first year. It came back. Yes. Um, so I was hoping, and I haven't seen him since. So I was hoping maybe if we could talk him into coming back, but if he's I, I, I think he comes up every so often, but yeah, well, well, well that that's now him, him and Bergman together. That's a show. Yeah. Well, you've even said uh, Bergman and uh, Ducette as well. I believe that would be that would be a good show too. The Meltdown Twins. <laughs> so going through like the the whole lost history of the game, what are some aspects that you saw of the past that maybe we're missing today to maybe get us back into some of those glory days outside of just Channel 5? Uh, I, I think it's just... I don't know if it's more tournaments and just you need more bowlers. Yeah. There's a lot of bowlers out there that should be bowling and stuff, but I know there's you know the family and there's work and traveling. So, Traveling's a big thing, I feel, nowadays. Yeah, People almost, don't want to travel. See, I, I'm not anti-tournament, obviously, but I'm almost concerned with too many tournaments. Again, it's one of the reasons out on the bear we only yeah. do three a year. But the more things you do, there's, there's only so many bowlers. Well, there was a lot of stuff back in the day, too, and it was really one of those you, you kind of you really just pick what you're going to do. Right. You can't do everything. You got to just pick something and, and do I it. And I think CPL ran into that issue with three tournaments yeah. essentially all on the same day. Well, a tournament, a roll off and another yeah. tournament. Yeah. And, you know, it becomes difficult to justify and then you got to justify week after week after week. Yeah. So many sports now are four seasons. So it's tough for parents to get their kids bowling and things like that. So I'm a, I, I, I have uh, concerns that if tournaments become too watered down in a sense, yeah, that it's going to spread it too, cast the net too wide, and then all of a sudden prize funds start to go down. Yeah, now all of a sudden the tournaments aren't worth it anymore, and now we're back. I to feel work. like it won't get to that point, but I, I mean there will be some events that will be on the same day, and you're just going to have to bite the bullet on something and right, do it, right. or just not do it at all. Yeah, and it's tough too when you yeah. have a lot of things that are weekly, um, and that's the thing. Like you have, like we had a weekly one, two, three and skins that we were doing for a while but it was never considered like a premiere yeah tournament just something, to, something to do, to do. Um, I know Cheech just randomly got the day off work and came down for one of them at one point it was just a kind of a one-off thing to do but now you look at King of the River River that is it's become a relatively big weekly tournament yeah. and people mark it on the calendar and that you're asking and they're showing up which is great but you're asking a lot of people to dedicate one day of the week to a tournament and then anytime somebody puts a tournament on that day you almost feel like yeah. you're competing with what has kind of come up as a really large tournament right so that that's my only concern with with tournaments is they almost become de facto leagues in a way if they they have too many it's like i said one of the reasons that we're on the bear we only do one scratch i never wanted to get to the point where i said 
or if I posted, you know, we're doing an outrun the bear June 4th, you, you could say, I'll do the one in July. Like I wanted to avoid that. And that yeah. was something Caitlin and I had talked about. One, there were a lot of work. I mean, for everybody running tournaments. To run a league or any tournament or something, yeah. it's not it, easy. That's what I, <laughs> the taking over the ACST. I, I said it to Frank, it's a whole other animal. I run the bear, I have to deal with people for one day. Now you're dealing with people over 36 yeah. weeks, so. I, I thought you were crazy, man. I just, I don't want to say that I didn't want to take over the league. It wasn't my priority to do. Um, but you I also, just, you probably felt you didn't want to, you don't want the league to I didn't want the to league fan, to fold. To fold. And I really believe in the league. And I even told Frank, and I don't think he's going to take me up on it anytime soon, if at all. I said, <laughs> if you want it back, it's yours, but since all you, I said, I'm just holding it till you, till you want it back. But that was more of, I love the idea of the league. I love the semi-pro aspect of it too because I think we need like a feeder league yeah. into a pro league. Yeah, it's almost like developmental. Yes, yeah. exactly. Because there was a lot of bowlers like me. Um, you look at a bowler like Eric Seeger, for example. Or Chris who, McClellan. Or Chris McClellan's another good example who just moved up to the pro league who want to be competitive. But we know if we get matched up against John Lynchell, it's proving a point. It's not a match. It's not that we wouldn't bowl him, but it's proving a point he's the better bowler but then you put a whole bunch of bowlers 12 now 32 if it works out the way we're hoping that are all relatively the same level there's no handicap there's no team it's you versus me we're probably streaming it you get that competitive yeah and then i think that makes you a better bowler you need that push exactly and then hopefully cream rises to the top some of those bowlers move up to the pro and then another wave comes in like that's kind of what how i saw envision this whole thing going I, th- you know, I was even talking about a third division because I know plenty of house bowlers here that are that 95. You said you didn't see too many of them at Woburn, but those 95 average bowlers that are willing to travel, they just haven't yeah. really got that competitive bite yet. Right. So now, so you've been doing a lot of the lost history of the game. Um, Jeremy has talked about it in the, in the past of the WCBC. He loves himself some 10 stringers. What are your thoughts on the pro series going from just straight 10 stringers every event to having different formats for almost every event? I think the formats, if for this day and age, work better than yeah. 10 stringers. Yeah. And it's just more exciting to bowl like a, you know, a couple doubles tournaments knockouts. Eliminations are probably the favorite, I think. Yeah. Because you're bowling against the field, the whole field. Right. right. And you know you, you still have one ten stringer, which is I love. I, and I, I don't think they should ever get rid of that, especially no. if it's such a throwback to the yeah to the old days of bowling. And by the old days, I mean what ten years ago. I mean <laughs> something like that. Well, when did it do? No, oh, it was before my time. Just before my time when it I ended. I think it folded in like oh seven ish, oh seven, oh eight, oh nine. Was it oh nine? Yeah. Well, I didn't think it went that far. So it so it basically went from the WCBC straight to the Pro Series. Yeah. Oh, okay. Now, how did the WCB? I don't know the answer to this. How did the WCBC fold in something else? Like it was just lack of lack of control. How was it? So there is a pro series. Yes. How did it not just adopt a name? Does that make sense? Does the question make sense? I'm not too sure. I'm not 100 percent sure. I mean, it was a completely different like stuff. So you, I'm, I'm pretty sure. I don't believe you could pay per tournament. I think you had to sign up and pay for all your tournaments ahead of time. So it was so different that yeah. they couldn't have. Okay, so it had to be said. Because a lot I of people would, back then also had like sponsors that, well, that, was, that, that would put them up right, too. Exactly. Yeah. So basically, I would get my 
I would get my application in the mail. I go to Helen and I'd be like, hey, can you sponsor me? She's like, okay, fine. They got the check and send it. I don't, and you're done. I, don't, I don't get anything out of this except a bunch of free advertising. Here you go. Whatever. Like it was like clockwork every every single year. That's what you say to me. Yeah. So so everything was paid up up front then yeah. versus. Yes. Okay. So you're right. It, it's I don't know different. how much it was for a whole year. I'm not too I sure say about that. It was that. about four twenty five. Something in that ballpark. Yeah. And how many tournaments were there? Six. That's not bad. Yeah, because I mean, it was September, October, November. They'd skip December and they go January, February, March. God, I was always curious about that. How it didn't just transition into what it is today. Yeah, and it, it, I mean, it was basically it was just total pinfall. Yeah. So you got into it right after the WCBC and when the new format started? I My first year was the second year of the Pro Series. Okay. And who was, was running it back then? It was Barbara Surratt, McIntosh. Danny Allard. Danny Allard and Zappy. Okay. So I think that's who was running. I know. I think Barbara was running it when I first, because we had an event here and I think that's who was running it. So, yeah. so there hasn't been a lot of turnover since it's been created. No, I mean, I think um, Godwin was also helping out later on. Yeah. Yeah. Godwin, uh, even like Jeff's wife, Kristen. I was about to say the wives. Some of the wives. Uh, Macintosh, I think. With was, collecting cards and doing yeah. the raffles. Zappy's and wife as well. The, the scores, punching them in the computer. I involved in the war. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Kate. Love you. So when did, when did you start actually watching the bowling show? Like, what was your earliest memory of watching the Channel 5 show? It was when... Olsa was on his 22-week street. I don't know what week it was, and I forget who he was bowling against, but I just remember watching every week saying, this guy's never going to lose. Right. He's always getting the trophy at the end. That was like my mentality. Like, he always wins. He gets the trophy. He's, he's on the next week. I, I mean, I, I was watching before that, but I remember, you know, being a fairway bowler, knowing Helen for so long, I was always getting the Stacia stories. And, you know, my father would say, he's, he's like, you know, she had 18 weeks in a row. And I remember during that, I'm like, oh my God, he's getting close. He's getting close. And there were a couple of matches where it's like, oh, he's going to make it. Yeah. pulled it off, yeah. And, and he even said, he's like, I was getting tired. Like, yeah. you getting like, worn out but at the same time i'm thinking like early bowling it's not like, like you're bowling them right it, i mean it's once a month yeah. but i mean it could have been more mental than anything yeah it's got to be more mental than anything and then i think i think it's fatiguing to not lose i mean i don't know if you want to consider it a wide comparison but look at the patriots they said you know winning 17 in a row or whatever it was yeah. is exhausting right. like and and there's no matches off back in that time yeah exactly. you know, channel five it was just one after another after another yeah. after another because i mean you had so many good bowlers back then and then he ended up losing to like a 350, I think. Something like that, yeah. Like 355 to Fran Honorado. And then the week after that, a 328 was the winning score. That, that blew my mind. <laughs> but I remember <laughs> when I was younger, it was like I watched Olsta, Paul Berger, Jeff Atkins, Jackie Ray, Chris Sargent when he was first starting. I was about to say, he doesn't have... Was he a one appearance on Channel 5? Maybe like a single he and a double? I think he had three. Three? It was the very last year of the show. Yeah. Is that, is that when basically everybody on the show threw 400? Yeah. <laughs> it was like Tim Lipke, Joe Ashline, Bob Kelly. Like those are the guys that were on, you know, whether it was five or Channel 50, they were on yeah. all the time. Yeah. And I remember, I don't remember how old I was, but I was flipping through the channels and I came across Channel 50. And I'm, what is this? <laughs> There's other bowling shows. This does. This isn't Channel Five. I forget who was on. It was probably Steve Vadney because I feel like he was on everything. Right. 
<laughs> He's like the Steve Martin of bowling. <laughs> Just hasn't changed. He really hasn't. So going back to the lost history, Kate asked the question, what was your favorite discovery or one of your favorite discoveries you had during the whole lost history of Candlepin? Probably when I went to Putnam Street Lanes in Fitchburg and the guy Gary, who's known me since I was a baby. Is that Gary Casey? No, that was... Oh, no, that was he. I think he... He owned New Palace. That's right. Yeah. Um, He had this old steel cup from like, I don't know, late 1890s from a tournament that they used to do every year. And it was in really, really good shape. And he showed it to me and... It was that, that was probably one of the best finds. Yeah, that's, I I mean, think. that's crazy. That's probably the oldest find, right? Yeah, to date. So, Brent O'Dowd asked, and we had Corey on a few episodes ago, what was it like bowling on that academy team in 2018? It was just unbelievable. It, just the, the chemistry and just how things were going, you know, match after match after match. I mean, everything was just going our way and we were all just bowling well and just, you know, doing what we were, you know, what we had to do. And we had, you know, Dave Richards, who's been around forever to have him on the team with that experience and to pump us up. I was about to say, nobody pumps anybody up like he does. It was was so unbelievable and just, I wish I could go back and just relive that week and do it again. It was so much fun. Is that your goal to go up there and have them do it again? I'm hoping. <laughs> um, and obviously, when when you go up there and everybody's zero and zero, you always think maybe I got a chance. I think even the last place team thinks, well, maybe if certain things break my way, we got a shot before they you know quickly realize. When did you realize that you know this is special? Something might be happening here. I want to say it was by Thursday because we were we were in really good shape. I think we were in first, I want to say, the second match of Thursday, and we just kept going all the way through into Friday. And then the first match on Friday, we took eight and we locked up first. But we were all just no matter what was going on we it was just it just felt right now, yeah now just just to like reiterate how important locking up first place is at the worlds it's it, to know that you have to sit for two matches and not have to worry about you know getting your way to saturday yeah so that, that's a is, that's a bite of the semifinals yeah you're automatically in the semifinals and you just it's you're just that much closer to you're not worried about ring rust at that point no <laughs> you're just that much closer to the finals and just yeah. the the chance to to win it, it's such a big thing and we did it two years in a row we did it in 2017 and we only lost by i want to say it was 20 something pins to fenway or was that the semifinals or the finals? That was the semifinals. After that, it, you kind of sit and think, is this going to be the only time? Because it's right. such a it's such a rare thing and it's just such a hard thing to do. And then the next year it happened and just to be in the finals, it was such a scary thing because it was just unbelievable. Even though it's something that you know, you've know you done for the last yeah. God knows how long. It's something that comes natural to yeah. us all, but still, it's... Yeah. yeah, and of course everybody's watching. There was a, all the even the semifinals because we bowled uh, Maria subs, and it was a it was a low scoring battle, but we ended up squeaking it through. And lucky, I think they 
demolished New England flooring. So they were already just on a roll and they were feeling good and just walking over. It was just, for me, it was one of the most nerve wracking yeah. things. Like you're bowling lucky strike in the finals. I was say, for those who don't know, have probably the deepest roster. Oh yeah. Of, yeah. I mean, you have, you have Jeff Surrett and Jonathan Boudreaux, Sean Baker, Chris Beauvert. Uh, Sean McKinley, Eric Pelletier. Yeah. I mean, on paper, that's not fair. <laughs> that's a crazy <laughs> I mean, team. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's. But yeah. I mean, you, you guys must have just caught them at the right yeah, time. It was, it's yeah, it, everything. It, the the. Did you it, anchor that match? No, it was Fuller. Okay, I bowled fourth, if I remember right. But it in at a tournament like that, it's it, the the day before when they do the meeting and the draft. It that's. The whole luck, it's luck of the draw of where you bowl that first round, like that yeah. first match and how it all unfolds after. And it's you you, you need some luck and you just gotta catch people at that right time to, right. to keep going. So Kenny Hodgkins asked, who is on your Mount Rushmore of bowlers? My Mount Rushmore bowlers. So didn't didn't Frank have a comment for that too? He said, uh the Colonel, the King. <laughs> Inside joke. <laughs> I wasn't part of that joke. I'm not either. <laughs> I'm Mount Rushmore bowlers. I want to say Olsa, Holbrook, Jeff Atkins, and Jeff Surratt. The salt and four. Yeah, I, I mean, there's, there's so many combos. Oh, yeah. That, That's that, a good that you could. I don't even know who would be on mine. It's not your interview. Man, what you say? <laughs> like, like, I'm just like, like it just it made the wheels I'm start. Think to... about that all night when he's bowling the league. Yeah, <laughs> anything that'll distract him is all I need. Um, one of the biggest questions that I was looking forward to asking is, uh, when are the batting cages being installed? Mike Kane wants to know. So you guys must get weird calls, like some kind of extra activity other than bowling. Oh, yeah. We get some of that. So every now and then, it hasn't happened in a while, we would get calls on, you know, if, you know, we had mini golf in the back, if it was open or if we had batting cages and if they were open, we're like, no, we just had bowling and we used to just have a small arcade and we used to get people that would come in and be like, where do I go to go? you know, to play, you know, the batting cages in the back. I'm like, no, we don't have it. I don't get that as much. I get people telling me what we used to have, like yeah. last year. When yeah, we, we get a lot of pool table questions. No, but not even that. Like, oh, you used to have laser we tag. We never we had laser to. tag. No, like two years ago. Nope, I, I was here. We did not. <laughs> you, do you want to, Jeremy, you want to tell your pen story about the woman who was adamant that you guys were open until one or two o'clock in the morning? Oh, yeah, so this guy, this couple comes in and they're like, how did you were closing at midnight and she yeah, was like, oh that's right and she, she's like oh, I thought we were getting ready to close and she's like oh she goes you guys are open until 1am I'm like no we're not and she goes but your website says we're you're open until 1am I'm like first of all and I look, she shows me your phone I'm like first of all Google's not our website <laughs> and second of all that's pins don't tell my boyfriend. <laughs> and they like they like laughed. But yeah, I've got that before. You guys served food last year. Nope, we've never never had a kitchen in here. I've gotten many times people come in and say, "When did you switch to the small ball? You guys used to have the big ball." Yeah, and they're like, "No, oh, it's yesterday. always been candle pin." I mean, did Wilbur never have a temp in house? No, the whole city didn't have one. I don't think so. So there's a restaurant in uh, Mills called Victory Lane. 
and somebody was adamant that that was a bowling alley. Like got into a heated argument with me saying that, uh, you know, they'll take their business to the other bowling alley up on Exchange Street. And I had no <laughs> idea what they were talking about. And then finally they looked up, they went, Victory Lane. Said, That's a restaurant. Well, it used to be a bowling alley. But it's never a bowling alley. <laughs> it, it, it I don't think Bill's ever had another bowling alley. No, no, this was it. It's a horse town. Sorry to everybody who loves Millis who might be listening to it. <laughs> so one of the questions that I always ask, I'm a big, I'm very into who brought people up. Like I, he never likes to take the credit and I'm starting to take it personally, but like I credit Jeremy for bringing me up. I think a lot of people need that person to bring them in to kind of show them what the tournaments are like, how to act on the lanes, how to, how to bowl, who to be around, who not to be around. Who was that person for you that kind of brought you into the Candlepin bowling world if there was one? Uh, probably Bob Brown. Yeah. He was the one that really pushed me as a kid, even though I was stubborn, you know, just punk, didn't want to listen to anybody. Um, but he really just pushed me and pushed me. And, it, you know, we'd always bowl after on Saturday mornings, just, I, I don't know, another 20 strings after and just trying to tweak and figure out things and just keep practicing. And he would set up like, we used to do like 20 lanes on one side. He used to set up single pins in different spots and we had to go down the line and see how many of those single pins we could hit to practice. Or he'd set up the back row for us and we'd have to shoot at that. Gotta be the best bowling coach in the game. I mean, I, I can't think of anybody else. I mean, I'm sure there are. I mean, don't. I'm not I mean, saying that there aren't great ones, but because I know Bart Madero's did a lot of stuff for the Pilgrim, yeah, uh, for the Pilgrim youth, youth program too. So I mean, that's definitely not a slight to him, like, no, at all. But as far as I've seen, and and just the, the how he takes what you have and can mold it into just yeah. being a greater version of you is is really uh, exciting to see. Yeah, no, I agree. He so fit. he was as as a youth bowler, he was the one that pushed me you know, as a youth to really try and accelerate to that next level. And then Jim Putney was another guy that just pushed me to be, you know, in a, in the pro level to really just grind it, grind it out and just keep, you know, just keep firing and just keep going and just don't let up on the gas pedal. He used to come to Woburn two times a week and he would bowl five strings and after two strings, he'd look at me and he'd say, all right, you ready? And I'd get my stuff on. And we just bowl and he just, he, he pushed me so hard to, to just, to grind and just, you know, just stick with it. He and was such an awesome guy. I, I miss him so much. He was such an awesome guy. It was a fun story. We used to, the triples league that was in Woburn used to be a fairway. And there was one night my buddy Joe was bowling with Chief and Putney. And they were bowling another team. And Jimmy's going to shoot a shot. And the guy went to clear the gutter in the middle of his delivery. And I guess I guess Jimmy shot just this look of death. And Chief goes to my buddy Joe and he goes, watch this. He goes, Jimmy's pissed. And then he, he my buddy Joe was like, it was the best night of shot making I have ever seen. He goes, he was cutting everything. He went like seven something like that night, but he's like, holy crap. I mean, even, even later on, like he could still bowl. Yeah, he was dangerous, absolutely dangerous. So we're getting ready to well, – we have to bowl in four minutes. Um, you don't have to, Jeremy. <laughs> For those who don't know, I'm bowling Jeremy in position night right now. He doesn't need points. I do. So <laughs> so 
Who would you say your favorite bowler is growing up or your favorite bowler to watch? Probably Ulster and Holbrook. So that match had to be so iconic. Well, I, that was a little before I discovered the, sh- the show or and all that. Yeah. yeah. But watching it, it, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, just seeing how consistent he was, just yeah. throwing those scores. Like you said, you like, like he's nothing. It, you, just, yeah. you went up, you did your thing. Yeah. And, and that's the way he, like, described it, too. He's like, huh, I don't know. Well, like I, we I, asked, just, I just, I just bowled. We asked Craig um, the question, you know, having the lead that he had, the, your opponent needs basically a spare triple to even have a shot. And you did you feel like you had the game in hand? And he said, against most people, maybe, but not against Tommy. Like, you always felt like until he was mathematically eliminated. Right. Uh, but it was interesting getting Tommy's side of it, too, where, he, like, he walked up, he's, he's like, he's not even thinking about, he's thinking about the ninth box. Yeah. You know, he's, he's not thinking, I need a triple. He's thinking, okay, I need the mark in the ninth. Yep. He goes, without, without that, that, nothing else matters. Yeah. So just and that goes to show you to every bowler listening, you know, when you throw away a, a pin or whatever in the fifth box, you never know when it's gonna come yeah, back to haunt you. It it comes, up. comes back to haunt you. So Nick, thank you so much. Really thank appreciate you. it. I, this was fun. Well, that was a lot of years of knowledge for such a young man. I completely agree. A little surprised that he doesn't work more with like the youth league and you know, coming from a being a Bobby Brown kid you would think that you know maybe engage in those uh those kids a little bit more but i guess maybe he's uh too busy working with the senior leagues people his own speed <laughs> i love you nick <laughs> Some, sometimes people just aren't coaches yeah and um you know i i just assumed you know working at Uber and everything else but no he he had a lot of that information it's a lot of the history that i didn't know a lot about i mean and the, the amount of stuff that he had that people just dusted off and gave to him you know, it's good that yeah. it's going to somebody who appreciates it. Right. Because, I mean, I know like a lot of stuff I, I would see people bring to, to Fairway back in the day. I was like, oh, I had this lying around. Do you think anyone around here could use it? And it, yeah. it's like, they're like, I don't want this crap anymore. I mean, if anybody needs like a 1987 Circa computer monitor, I think we have one in the back somewhere. I think so. It's like one of those like Apple twos or something. Yeah, every like that. time I walk by and I keep thinking to myself, why haven't we trashed this yet? <laughs> Do we Wait, not want to pay the disposal fee? Like, it's, can we still play Carmen San Diego on it? it? Listen, if it's got a floppy disk drive, I think we can. So. Sweet. I don't think we had any tournaments lined up I last weekend. We did have so either. We did have a bunch of ACST matches. Um, for the people that are watching, we're trying to post everything on the Atlanta Calopin page. The standings are being being done on league secretary in-house here at Ryan's. But then uh, once the weeks are completed, we're going to upload it for everybody to see kind of like what they were doing last time. It's set up like four different leagues at this point. Mm-hmm. We have an ACST Southern League, an ACST Northern League, and then the same thing for the semi-pro. It, it just was easier to kind of manipulate. So once any one of those weeks are completed, we can post that online for everybody to see. Sweet. So not going to go through all the scores and everything, but what we have so far, uh, Justin Waters over Mike Nardone, 12 points to two points. And Jim Hunter over Peter Penny, also 12 points to two points. And that's all I have so far for the ACST Southern Conference. The ACST Semi-Pro South Conference, we had Dan Finn, myself, over Dan Gothier, 10-4. And Rick Kamrowski over Bob Lee, 10-4. I said I wasn't going to go over the scores, but Rick threw a 163. Didn't he have like a one? What was his half? He had a 108 second half. Yeah, so there was four of us bowling. We did like a double match thing. And Rick Kamrowski's, granted it was his second half. If he threw his second half and it was like a cheech match, he would have been in the lead. Yeah. He wouldn't have had a bowl his second half if that was his first half. It was insane. And he could have had a four-bagger in there. Yeah. Strike spare, strike spare. 
So he had a double. Oh, he did a, he have a he double? He had a double in there. He went, he went, uh, it was strike, nine drop, picked it, strike. Maybe went like another nine drop or something like that, but then, then he went he through went to, double in the 10th. Yeah, so he was almost six then. Yeah. That's insane. So he go almost had, a, if anything, a triple spare double. Yeah. Because it was just, and I was bowling next to him, but I was bowling against uh, Gothier, and I had to keep telling myself, don't worry about it, you're not bowling, just focus on your match. So if you watch the video, I tried not to even look over to the right, but I knew something special was happening next to me. He just went off. Yeah. Um, so he currently has the high single for the league at 163. I'm not, I don't know all the uh, triple, the high fives and everything like that, but I just happened to notice it because I saw it with my own eyes. Uh, Mark Uvard over Eric Seeger, 10-4. Uh, that's all we have for the semi-pro self. In the ACST North, Matt Susi over Aaron Quinn, 12-2. And Nick Leach over Chris Winniars, 10-4. And I think all we have, so semi-pro North, Lane Britton over Justin Lyon Ace, 10-4. And Anthony Karen over Rob Brown, 10-4. So that's all we have so far. And again, once we have all eight matches of the week for any particular league, we will post that on Candle and Chat and the ACC for everybody to see. And I think we're going to also get that on League Secretary as well with a link yep. so you can see your schedule and your matches and your averages and all that fun stuff. So that's all I think we have for the week that happened. Of course, a lot of matches are going to be had. It's going to be like the Chicha all over again where matches are just going to be flying right, in. Right. And then I think Miko's coming up as well. So there's a lot. I mean, it's, it's League coming up. And I know I usually end with this, but again, if something special happened in your league or uh, in your house, let us know. We'd love to talk about it. You know, do like something I think we talked about, like Stars of the Week. Yep. Let us know. We'd love to to celebrate that. I think this is a game where we really it, – it's a numbers game, as you know, Bob Lee would know. Yes. And we want to celebrate those numbers. I mean, they don't always they don't always happen. How often do you throw a one oh eight half? Oh, I can count on <laughs> half a hand. It's it's insane. I mean, I don't know what my high half is. I mean, it's probably the one it's somewhere with that one seventy five I threw because I don't think I had a great first half. But it's it's rare to go a hundred for a half. So you know, we just want to give a congratulations to Rick Kamrowski. I know Justin Waters had a hell of a game going six thirty two. I think, mm-hmm. but yeah, let us know these big scores and these big milestones. And even if it's it doesn't have to be you know the house high, it could be your first three hundred, your first double strike. Let us know about it. I, it. I think it's something to uh, to celebrate. What do we have for tournaments coming up later this month? Uh, we have the Pro Series uh, this coming Saturday. The doubles at Portsmouth, uh, the 11th, the, the 12, uh, 12 uh, noon shift. Oh, so should we make the announcement over who we're interviewing on Saturday then? We are going to be talking to Andrew Medeiros. So the problem with Andrew is I have no idea what we're going to talk about because he doesn't have anything going on right now. Right. It's not like his family has history in the game or the whole ICBA conversation or, I don't know, making the news over the rowdy <laughs> customer throwing a receipt at him. Like, I can't imagine how we're going to eat up a full hour of conversation with him. You know what? There's going to be a lot of filler. <laughs> we'll have to work something out. I don't know. We have the Masons. King of the Hill is also that night, the 11th. Alfie's uh, TV roll-off at Academy. I believe it's at 11 or 11. Th- I think it's 11 a.m. And I saw the starting to get those numbers up, too, which yeah, is great. Yeah, it's starting to go up. So please, you know, let's let's support that roll-off. Yep. And then the 25th, we have our Scratch Outrun the Bear. Yep. So we're up to 69 bowlers. We had Sweet. 70. Nice. Uh, but Justin Scally pointed out that Dan Gothier did not sign up twice. Only once. Good. I'll tell you, Scally is really good at picking up, and I don't mean this in any sarcastic way, really good at picking up little mistakes that I make. Like if I put somebody's name twice, like it wasn't even like it was back to back. It was right. like bowler item at like 50 and 70. People are really good at like picking up those those little like nuanced things. But Scally always seems to be the first to pick those up. And I appreciate that. Again, right. no sarcasm. There's no subtle hit. Like, because if I make that mistake, and I'm trying to figure out where I'm off a guy or I have Dan bowling on two separate lanes. There's right. a problem there. So... 
But yeah, 69 bowler. So we're, again, hoping to get that higher. I'd mm -hmm. love to pay out 2000 to the top yeah. bowler again, like we did for the handicap. And then at uh, the end of the month, the last Sunday of the month, we had the spare time, uh, the spare time King of the Hill, yep. which will be on the 26th. So we're going to see if Mike Nardone's going to be the yep. champ champ after September. Champ, champ, champ. Champ, champ, champ. Three you're gonna, you're gonna have to go to spare time or uh, yeah, not spare time. He's already champ spare time. You're gonna yeah. have to go to CPL or our King of the River, which that's starting back up too, I believe, yep. right after Labor Day as well. So, if you're looking for something to do in in the bowling world, you have plenty. Yes. So, that's all I have for this week. I think that's that's it. All right. Till next week.